How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Beth? That's a dumb question. <laughs> All right. I shouldn't ask you how you are today. Is, is, that, is it a normal podcast thing to do? It's a normal human thing to do, and I think that's a good enough reason to do it. Discovering pods like pigs, nuffles, or truffles. Hey, Mark Stedman. Hey, Brendan Hutchins. <laughs> and welcome, Kevin Goldberg. Thanks for having me. So I think we should start off by trying to find a new favorite show for Mark. Ooh, okay. Uh, did you have any? Did you have any suggestions, Kevin? Uh, I've been listening to Dissect Ooh, recently. Yeah. Um, so, Mark, I don't know how how familiar you are with hip hop or across the pond how popular it is but dissect is a serialized music podcast that each season dives deep into a specific hip-hop album analyzing the context that created it the lyrical breakdown the production and the first season does kendrick lamar's to pimp a butterfly the second is kanye west in all of his recent twitter glory um doing (laughs) my beautiful dark twisted fantasy um so yeah just finished both of those they're really tremendous um just the level of production value and the thought that goes into them uh the host cole kushna basically treats them like um a college course it's it's really interesting yeah that that, that sounds good i i listen to i don't think i actually listen to any music podcasts and subscribe to one or two but i, I haven't yet actually um listened to them <laughs> and i'll be honest this isn't well, I'd, I'd I'd like to give it a go. I mean, I can tell you straight away that um, as much as I sort of don't mind hip hop, most of modern hip hop kind of leaves me cold. Mm. Um, I'm not. I like. I I get how artistic and interesting um, Kendrick Lamar is, but I never really got the the m- m- Mr. Mr. West um, <laughs> so much. Um, All right, back to the drawing board. I'll, uh, I'll get a new recommendation queued up ready. No, it's fine. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not throwing it out. And and that's the thing. It's um, I think it, it should be good to uh, get out of one's comfort zone yeah. uh, and maybe listen to something that, I, you know, I typically wouldn't. So uh, I think it's it's worth at least giving it a go because you never know. I might I might open up a whole new world for myself. Yeah, exactly. I think this should be a, a, seg- a reoccurring segment, even if we do find your new favorite podcast. So we've got to find the replacement after that one. Make Mark listen to things that he wouldn't normally listen to. Yeah. I like it. Well, if you if if the music podcast isn't your thing, maybe movies is. Do you listen or have you listened to Doug Loves Movies? Uh, no, we talked about this yes. uh, a few weeks ago, didn't we? And I still haven't listened. Well, that would be my recommendation to give that one a shot. I, I would say look back uh, in the, the recent few episodes to see if there's a comedian you recognize and uh, mm. and try that one out. So it looks like you have some follow-up on our talk about uh, the the Google changes on Android phones and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, massive thanks uh, to George from the Snappy Tech Podcast yeah. who got in touch and uh, shared some screenshots and uh, the sort of um, the, the flow, the, the process of, of how it all works. Nice. Um, and it's, uh, it's on you know more modern uh, android phones okay. um probably more towards the stock android possibly mm. uh so i think you know certain certain skins and certain versions of android you know it might be that only the sort of google play uh varieties of of um android phones support this but uh my my couple of years or few years old htc um uh test device doesn't mm, um, but he he's sent some some comprehensive um, screenshots through of of what the stuff looks like, and it's um, it's really good. And I'm pleased to say that all of uh, all of Podient, um, 
already supports it, which oh, uh, I was certain it did, but it was nice to have the confirmation. Um, Good so, luck. uh, yeah, ma- yeah, absolutely. Um, massive thanks to George for, um, for sharing that. And, uh, you, if, if you want to see what it, um, see what it looks like, if you have an Android phone, if you want to check out the, the, the podcast, then you can just Google snappy tech podcast. Uh, and you will see what it uh, what it all looks like, and it's uh, it's rather good. Very cool. And we also had some follow up uh, regarding the shows that we were talking about last week. Uh, the two new Gimlet bingeable shows, um, Sandra and uh, The Habitat. And uh, I completed both. Nice. And, and? I think uh, I, I I think The Habitat was a lovely production. <laughs> There's some words unspoken there. Uh, no, no, nothing under the nothing under the surface. I, I genuinely, it was that was the thing that I came away with. It was um, the the tone of it and the 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 storytelling. It was just a really lovely, nice experience. The the whole thing, you know, was put together really, really well and crafted in that sort of beautiful gimlet way yes. that I feel like I haven't heard for a while. Um, and I don't think that's a slam on them. I just think whatever, I think the, the, the types of shows that they're making are very different, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's got back to that really nice mark of quality and that mark of, uh, storytelling prowess that they, that they show, um, or they have shown in previous shows, I think is, is absolutely there. And it was, it was a thoroughly enjoyable lis- uh, listen. I couldn't help but think how impossible it would be for me to survive in that situation. Uh, you know, those times when you have like a friend come from out of town, they stay with you for the weekend. And by Sunday, you're kind of looking at your, your watch like, oh, when did, when's your flight leave again? <laughs> um, that's, that's me to like the extreme. So I don't know how I can make it more than three days, let alone a year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a great podcast. It, it told a, a lovely story. It was it was interesting to see how the host navigated the production of it because she obviously couldn't be inside there uh, to to kind of um, ask leading questions or get the story she wanted. She was kind of at their disposal. Um, so I think all in all, it was mm. it was a great podcast. Um, you know, with the logistics, I'm kind of upset they don't get a follow up. Um, maybe. We can do like a where are they now? But um, yeah, for what it was, I, I thought it was great. When I was listening, the thought of being like the thought of being a, one of the members like was a uh, yeah, I could do that. I don't know, maybe. Uh, it's not something I would ever sign up to do, but if I was forced to do it, like I think I'd be okay. Um, the 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 my my biggest problem with it would be that I wouldn't be able to listen to podcasts for a year, and that that would severely add to my backlog. Mm. I'd like I I pro- I would probably be the guy uh, at the very beginning and the very end that is like, oh, I'm I I hope I'm walking away from this with five new best friends because uh, <laughs> I'm gonna spend all my time with these people and get to know them really well and yeah, uh, ever the optimist. Um, <laughs> But uh, overall, like, the production was very gimlet. Um, it was easy to listen to um, and enjoyable. I, I, it wasn't something like that super stood out to me. It was just kind of like it 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 happened. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that I would like. I mean, spend five minutes talking about it on a podcast. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, what about what about Sandra? That one, I think. Uh, I, I I broadly enjoyed, but kind of left me a little bit, a little bit meh. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think 
there, there's you know there's some unanswered questions and obviously a, a something yeah. of a cliffhanger. Um, yeah, I wasn't sort of thinking. Oh, I can't wait to find out what happens next. And I think I was a yeah. I was a bit more gripped by Homecoming. Um, some <laughs> yes. of the performances were a bit cartoonish. Um, and I, I like I, I, I like Alia Shawkat. Um, yeah. and I think Kristen Wiig did a good job of being a computer. Um, I think. It maybe could have done with a bit more production, like something like the GLaDOS uh, type production work that was done on oh, um, yeah. on Portal. So that kind of thing maybe would have given it a bit more. But I, I think one of the one of the the things that I did appreciate about it, I think, was was actually the ad breaks. Um, in in as much as uh, not because it took me away from the show, but I I like how they approached them. They sort of wove the idea of an alternative reality to the to the reality we live in in the Sandra universe um, to uh, talk about. You know, it, it, I think the best ones were the Mozilla ads and how they addressed privacy. Um, and I think that they were done really really well. There were just so many ad breaks. There were so many. A- bingeable podcast like they have yeah. pre and post roll ads and mid roll ads yeah. but the pre and post roll like they roll into each other so you're hearing the same ad right after the bat uh, right after <laughs> itself and yes uh not not super well thought out i think for how they released it i think that's a really good point um but then also the the mozilla ads actually left me i mean i love th- that Almost all the ads had the theme of the show, so you're kind of staying in the world. I definitely, I think that was well done. I think that they uh, obviously spent some time thinking about it and not just um, slapping some ads on to get paid. But the the Mozilla ads actually left me with a sour taste of Mozilla in my mouth because they were all negative. They were all, oh, this smart assistant is going to track you. They're going to send you ads. They're going to do things that you don't want them to do. Uh... Mozilla. Firefox, <laughs> bad things, Firefox, you know, like, uh, and so I kept actually having a negative connotation with it and, and walked away not, <laughs> not with a favorable view of them in my mind. I thought it was okay in terms of the production was interesting. The story was, was about average. Like the both of you, I, I was much more enthralled with Homecoming. Um, Brendan knows my thoughts on this, but. You have Kristen Wiig, who's probably the best character actress of the last 25, 30 years, like her work on SNL and through Bridesmaids, like her characters and what she's able to convey is like very personable and very out there. And you have this huge personality who's able to convey like basically whatever she'd like and you deduce her to a robotic voice. Uh, I just I thought that casting decision was just uh questionable like you, you, i don't know you have like a ferrari and stuck in neutral <laughs> or some corny cliche but uh it was just odd where the voices in homecoming they were you know big names but their voices were unique and i thought they they made sense for the characters they played in this one even even ethan hawk's character you know that could have been just anybody yeah i kept forgetting it was ethan hawk <laughs> that's fair uh so yeah i just thought that was that was questionable um, the cliffhanger at the end, I thought it wasn't as much of a cliffhanger as they're just missing a part. Yep. And, and the last thing is the tech just doesn't make sense. <laughs> like a, a human behind uh, our voice assistants, they would be slow. They would be inconsistent, uh, especially if you have a variety of people answering the questions. And then um, the main character, uh, I think it was Helen. 
she doesn't know anything about birds and she's assigned to birds. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's like <laughs> Amazon and Google and Apple spend millions upon millions of dollars to make sure their answers are instant and precise and having a human behind it kind of undoes all their work. Uh, you know, there's nothing different from that versus us Googling the answer on our phone. So Gimlet was able to, uh, to really get everybody's attention with uh, their release of, of their spring uh, podcast launch and everything. And so they were able to get a bunch of attention, but they mostly, I'm assuming, got attention from people who already listened to podcasts. And it seems like in order for a lot of podcasts to be more discoverable and have a bigger audience in, um, in their podcasts and grow their market share, they should probably be marketing in different ways. Kevin, you had an awesome article on your uh, website, discoverpods.com, about podcast marketing. And I would love to kind of uh, pick your brain a little bit more about how you think uh, all podcasts are marketed incorrectly. Sure. Yeah. Um, so basically, the the quick synopsis of, of my thoughts there is uh, basically less than half the U.S. population listens to podcasts or are familiar with podcasts uh, per Edison Research. Mm-hmm. And what podcasters do when they have a marketing department, which, you know, to be frank, is is kind of rare. Um, most are just dedicated on creating the podcast and putting it out there and hoping it, it goes viral, which hope isn't really a good marketing strategy, but um, teach their <laughs> own, is these people are, are marketing to existing podcast fans. And as you or anybody will attest, podcast fans are very habitual. You listen to the same mm-hmm. podcasts that come out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. Uh, only when something brand new and really exciting comes out, do, are you willing to to kind of change up your routine and allow that to, to get some airtime? So you're marketing to people yeah. that are going to be stubborn. Um, and if they're willing to to invite your podcast into the fold, they're probably willing to do that for others as well. So there's some suspect on how loyal they're going to be. But my theory is that instead of marketing to existing podcast users, we should market to non-podcast listeners. Um, if, If you think back to the first podcast you heard or the first couple you heard, they're they were intriguing. They were enthralling and they converted you from, wow, what's this new medium to holy crap, I'm now a diehard podcast fan. And so replicating that kind of marketing function and targeting never before listeners of podcasts, uh, one is a larger population. And two, you have the chance to form some habits. You have some Basically, you can inject your podcast into their decisions. So when they're creating brand new routines, yours is at the top rather than trying to wedge your way in between uh, somebody's existing routine. Yeah, that's a really good point. So when I am, I don't ever advertise a podcast, like actually pay money for it. But when I'm I'm promoting a podcast, I'm going to places like uh, groups on Facebook um, I'm, I'm using hashtags on Twitter, uh, posting on um, the r slash podcast subreddit, going on podcast related slacks, you know, word of mouth, um, hopefully getting on other people's podcasts and have them talk about my podcast. And, and then there's, like, there's also the, the ability to use ads and, and podcast apps like Overcast. And so those are all marketing towards the, the same 
group of people who are already podcast focused. Obviously, they're in some sort of podcast related area in order to to find that. So on, on one hand, it makes sense because you know they're already going to listen to podcasts. You're not marketing to people who don't like audio for some reason. <laughs> um, but how do you, what do you recommend? How, do, do you have any strategies that you think people should do to get to those people who haven't listened to podcasts? How do you, how do you filter for non-podcast listener already? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll also be the first to admit that there are people, you know, mostly older people that will never listen to podcasts and that's just sure. whatever marketing you do is not going to change that. Um, to your question though, the, the easy answer would be, it depends. It depends <laughs> what your podcast is about. Mm, so if you have mm. a podcast that's about gardening and you could advertise to garden fanatics on existing blogs, forums, um, magazines, things like that, um, that would be, you know, a route you can go to Facebook as everybody knows now, uh, through the Cambridge Analytica stuff <laughs> has all this data. Mm -hmm. And so you're basically able to, to zero in on fans of basically any genre. So if you're a podcast on XYZ, you can target fans of XYZ on Facebook. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have an email list, you can replicate this email list into Facebook and they call it a, mm. a lookalike audience. So what it does is it it uses an algorithm to parse through your your list, see what interests they're interested in and replicate that with a new set of users. Um, oh, wow. So theoretically, the new set would be interested as well. Um, these are just, you know, little things, um, but... What I wanted with the article is for people to think outside the box. What you're doing, Brendan, uh, with your existing podcast is great. Um, the issue, and you're probably aware of this, is that a ton of other podcasters are doing the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. So when you put your podcast into these forums, into these Facebook groups, you're adding to the noise and you're quickly getting lost in the shuffle. Uh, so thinking outside the box, thinking maybe more traditional routes, as, as silly as that sounds, um, is a way to to stand out against the crowd. That goes to uh, something that that was a question that that I've been pondering at the moment is the value of advertising to podcasters. You know, I, I um, uh, if you if you'll pardon the mild swear, uh, I I don't go in for the um, the weekend wank mm, fest mm -hmm. that uh, is in the podcasters support group. Uh, I don't post. I used to, but I don't post to the R subreddit. Uh, the R podcast subreddit, the mm -hmm. weekly or the daily um, post thing, because I because everybody's doing the same thing. Just the time consuming. It, it is. I think it's it's also that it's time consuming for what I don't perceive as being. A huge amount of gain. Now, obviously, for a show like this, this specific show is targeted at podcasters. Right. And so, or, you know, people who, who are interested in the culture of podcasting. Absolutely. And so that makes sense. But... Um, you know, if it's if it's the Beware of the Leopard or it or it's Thread, which is an impossible show to market because it's not about anything. Um, <laughs> yep. But you take Beware of the Leopard. You know, I I and I'm not. I'm not being um, down on anyone who does this, but I I don't see the value myself in posting to um, forums that are where, where people are doing the same thing. And and Slack rooms have this as well. You have a you know number of of Slack uh, communities for podcasters, and they have a promotion um, room in there and, mm -hmm. and or channel. And I again I I don't 
it just feels like adding to the noise because everybody wants to do the same thing. Everybody wants their podcast to be listened to. Um, and I think you're right, Kevin, that, you know, part of what we need to do is attack those people, uh, not physically, but uh, attack, attack those audiences that aren't already listening to podcasts. Um, so I, 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 I doubt there's much more to add to, to that, but I, so I'll segue into ways that we can maybe make listeners' lives easier. And mm. potentially, is there a role for, obviously, we've just spent a lot of time talking about Sandra. Is there a role for these cylinders that we have in our houses and making podcasts easier to find and listen to so that your aunt or your gran or, you know, your, your uh, you know, slightly older neighbor who's not as clued in can just talk to their thing and say, I want to hear this show. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the end goal for a lot of things. And the Google news from from last week is really encouraging. Um, you have a superpower like Google that before you know last week was was kind of um, kind of absent from the podcast conversation. You know, as much as yeah, Apple, pretty lukewarm on it. Yeah, and you know, Apple is as well, but at least they have a native mm-hmm. app, um, which it goes to show the the iOS versus Android breakdown of podcast listeners. I think it's directly attributed to the fact that they have a native app on every every iPhone. Um, so Google's Google's work in increasing discoverability, adding search, uh, treating audio like a first class citizen, um, indexing audio, all of that will will be major on the discovery part. Uh, I'm hesitant to to basically say we fixed the problem until I see it in action. Um, you know, it, it looked cool from the screenshots in the Pacific Content uh, series. It looked helpful. What what I haven't seen is how this looks in the real world, um, what people are actually searching for and how podcasts will show up in the results that way. Um, but I, I, I think the early stuff is there. And even if this is a glorified beta test, it's moving in the right direction. Mark, I might not have answered your question. No, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure that I, I really had... A question um i think this is it's it's the holy it, it's absolutely the holy grail for for um small independent podcasters um and i think it's a testament to why these communities exist to a degree because you know that you know th- this is why people market their podcast to other podcasters is because they know that there's at least a or the, the 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 idea is that there is a bit more of a likelihood that they'll listen because they're already podcasters yeah. and they also get it. They know how hard it is to market and they're hoping that yeah. maybe someone will just give them that extra boost. But I think one of the one of the, the, the difficult things and it's something I, I talk about a lot having been a developer is you you make the thing and and that is so rarely the end of the story and it it, it has to be you know, mm-hmm. if you look at any big film um they spend as much if not in some cases more marketing the film than they do to actually make it and that is significant oh yeah i I agree i will say though if if the content's not there if if your podcast is is mediocre at best all the marketing in the world's not going to save it because at the end of the day you don't want a one-time listener you want a loyal listener that's that subscribes and you know whether you put out a new podcast every week or every month you want them coming back so you could be the best marketer in the world but your podcast is is just subpar 
and people are going to tune out because the competition is there. They can always tune into something better. Um, one of the, the suggestions I made in the, the aforementioned article is basically uh, installing kind of a, a word of mouth engine into your podcast. Uh, I think the, the infinite dial um, or the podcast consumer talked about word of mouth still being the, the largest driver of podcast recommendations and most trusted recommendations. It's only 30%. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's major. And the best part about this is it's free, right? It's just the hardest to harness. Yep. Um, you know, yeah. advertising as, as maybe precise as they are, you're, you're going to spend some money. And as most part-time podcasters know, like money is, is a scarce commodity, especially when you're juggling so many other things. So examples of this, um, Disgraceland for, for my, you know, mixed thoughts on the podcast, what the host Jake Brennan does at the end is genius in in really making devoted fans. So what he does uh, for those of you that aren't aware, he he reads uh, his favorite uh, Apple Podcast reviews on the air. Thanks the the reviewer individually. He sends out stickers and shirts and posters and merch and basically has created a community with for his podcast specifically. Um, so what he's done is is I don't know his his listener base, but let's just make it easy and say it's a hundred. He's created a hundred people that are willing to spread the gospel of Disgraceland and spread it word of mouth. So that hundred gets a new nice. hundred, and now it's it's doubled, and so on and so on. Um, so more examples of that of basically fostering a community and creating diehard advocates of your podcast. Uh, it it might be a little bit tricky or work, but at the end of the day, it's free. And it'll probably be the most effective over Facebook ads or over, you know, spending your time on if you want to go for a billboard or something old school. Well, dear listener, if you want to uh, tell us about how you told your three best friends in a podcast review on the Apple podcast, you can check out the link in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've i still got a, a soft spot in my heart for um, promo exchanges because I feel it's an underused uh, technique and I think it's one of the best things that Maximum Fun do from uh, a, a method of supporting shows um, so mm-hmm. there are some shows that get the uh, the ZipRecruiter.com ads and then there's other shows like uh, we got this with Mark and Hal which I would have assumed would have actually pulled down more advertising uh, than they do and they they almost have no no actual commercial advertising Um, and so what they do with their ad time and and this is the case with um, shows like the uh the, like international waters um they do it as well they they have their ad slots are given over to advertising of the podcasts and to me that's always struck me as a, an effective and i think among independent podcasters massively underused um am i overblowing it you know what what what, what do you guys think <laughs> I, I think when done correctly uh podcast promos uh and crossover posts are extremely effective. So some examples, uh, when 20,000 Hertz was featured on 99% Invisible, the crossover and overlap of basically a Venn diagram of audience interest there was perfect. Mm -hmm. So basically 20,000 Hertz has an episode uh, on the NBC chimes and the origins of of those chimes. And so 99% Invisible um, 
basically featured that podcast. And that's how I first learned of, of the podcast. I know there's tons out there as well. Mm. Um, so I think when done right, it's extremely effective. But what what's tricky for both podcasters is you need to identify somebody with an audience that has shared interests, but isn't a competitor, um, which, which is a tricky kind of line to navigate. Yeah. So for, for that crossover, you know, that was like a, you know, kind of an, an episode share slash rework of, of the whole episode, um, which obviously in terms of trying to share and share the listener base works incredibly well because of how detailed you get a feel for the episode. Um, I think Mark was, was more talking about just like adding the 30 second promo at the end of a podcast where you're just saying like, Oh, come listen to our podcast. We're kind of like this. And we do these things. The quality of the podcast matters. Mm -hmm. I think the quality of the ad also matters a Mm. lot. Um, Obviously max fun, you know, they have some, um, energy and effort that they can really put into their ads. Um, I also like, I, I sometimes like the, um, well, I guess what used to be feral audio is now, um, it's a good show. <laughs> Starburns. Yeah. Starburns. Thanks. Um, their, their ads can be really, I like, I, I, there's actually, I don't even know the name of the show. I guess it's not too, too great of an ad, but there's one, there's a new podcast where they like make up a script for a movie they haven't seen, but that's really popular. Oh yes. Uh, I really, I really enjoy the ads for that, but I haven't actually subscribed mm-hmm. <laughs> to it. Um, so I guess it's not, not too effective, but the ones the the, uh, podcasts that come in with like this radio spot where they're like we're this guy and we're this guy and we're doing this kind of podcast and it's really annoying and i hate (laughs) Uh, listening to those ads so much uh and i'm never going to subscribe to anything like that so you know i mean make make the podcast ad similar to your show uh, so that somebody is going to have a good feel for what you're actually going to be listening to. Um, but also, you know, hopefully with, with dynamic ad sharing insertion type things, or just manually adding it to your own podcast, hopefully it's something that fits the flow of the, the show proper. Uh, and, and then the ad doesn't sound like it's coming out of left field because <laughs> that really throws me off. I'm like, Whoa, what am I hearing? Skip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> good suggestions and i i can't believe other people still do that um because i come across them every so often oh my god they're they're jarring yeah. because i don't want a used car yeah. commercial in my head right so um <clears throat> to to wrap this up then kevin uh to put you on the to put you on the uh the the hot seat here what's the one in the sort of getting things done approach what's the one next thing that they should do what always is um I guess interesting or surprising to me is how many podcasters don't do the basic things. Um, so that's things like have a website, transcribe your podcasts. Um, at the end of the day, we're, we're all going to be slaves to Google. Um, and because, you know, we'll see how it, how it comes, but because audio isn't indexed by Google, meaning your podcast isn't showing up in the search results unless you have a lot of text content. So, just transcribing your podcast, cleaning them up and posting them, whether it's detailed show notes or full, full audio or full transcriptions, you all automatically have all these words that can be indexed by Google and now you're appearing in search results. So having a website, making sure it's uh, optimized, 
Um, it's you're sending your sitemap to Google to to be indexed. Um, having social media profiles, updating your website, having a blog. I think ninety nine percent visible does a great job uh, supplementing their blog content with their podcast. Uh, so so stealing ideas like that um, allow Google and the world to discover your podcast in the most basic way to to Google um, basic interests and have you show up in the search results. So things like that and a lot of other, you know, marketing 101 things, I, it, it always irks me when you don't see podcasts um, actually implement those because they're, they're, I don't know, um, I'll think of a better analogy later, but <laughs> they're, uh, when when podcasts don't do these basic functions, um, they're they're making it way harder on themselves in an already tough market. So we were talking earlier about Gimlet and their uh, marketing techniques and and other uh, events like that with their new podcasts. And it sounds like they're uh, with a recent announcement and and you have an article up on Discover Pods. Uh, they're they're looking to bring some more voices into their. Um, into their ranks. Uh, Kevin, what's, uh, what's going on with the new Gimlet announcement? Yeah. So, so casting call is, is pegged as a, a podcast competition to kind of crowdsource their, their new talent acquisition. So under the, the Gimlet creative arm of, of Gimlet media, which is their, their branded podcast um, together with Squarespace, they're basically searching for would be podcasters to, to compete in this competition to be judged on by Jonathan Goldstein, uh, Nazanin, and you know several other people among the Squarespace and Gimlet team uh, to eventually become their own full-fledged Gimlet podcast. Um, so while I have I have some reservations on it, um, you know we're kind mm-hmm. of glorifying or sensationalizing uh, a podcast search. I think hopefully, if all goes well, um, this will thrust. Uh, a good hardworking indie podcast and provide them with the resources to become um, a, a great show. That's, that's part of everybody's uh, daily listening. Well, you know, what's interesting is that TLDR back in uh, when it was still, you know, under uh, WNYC, that's kind of how they originally came about. There was an internal competition about whatever WNYC's next new podcast would be and uh alex and pj came up with the idea of of kind of you know writing or you know podcasting about the internet and and all that and uh they pitched it and they did not win but eventually just made the podcast anyway i think is how the story went and uh so it's kind of funny um their kind of flagship podcast um came about from a similar thing that they're trying to do now and i wonder if that had any um had any tie into how that came about. I, I, I kind of like, and don't like the idea at the same time. I have, uh, I have a lot of thoughts about American Idol and, um, their, the the sensationalism of competition and, um, uh, critique, public critique. And, uh, even more so like, I, I don't know if this is part of the way that Gimlet works or not, but, um, the contracts that dis, um, that American Idol makes their contestants sign that if even if they win or if they don't win, they're 
their rights are, you know, it's like just as bad as a, a record label's rights that taking away from the next 10 years, you have to sing for this certain uh, way and whatnot. And, and you're, you're a, lot, a lot of people are just so starstruck that they sign away anyway um, to be able to, to get into the spotlight and they don't, um, they, they lose out on a lot. So I don't, I have no idea if anything like that would happen with the Gimlet stuff, but it just gives me pause and makes me want to read the contract before, <laughs> um, ho- hopefully the contestants read the, read the contracts before they, uh, they, they sign up. But I am curious to follow along and see, um, see how that all goes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think those are rightful reservations. My, the, probably the, the main critique I have with it is the podcast they're looking for. So in the teaser, Jonathan Goldstein basically says uh, the specific podcast they're looking for and, and the type of people. And he, he in, you know, in other words says they're looking for people that are good at conducting interviews and telling nonfiction stories. Um, so right, right out of the bat that says, you know, okay. Audio drama. Sorry. You know, thanks for playing, but we're not looking for you, which, which is kind of a shame, especially given our Sandra critiques. Um, but at least they've narrowed their focus yeah, and so they can have specific guidelines. So they're not, you know, pitching a audio drama versus um, yeah. some documentary. I would be interested to see how it pans out. Um, I, you know, it's, it's not dissimilar in, to my mind to what Radiotopia did uh, a couple of years ago, which ended up birthing ear hustle uh that's a good point yeah right i guess the difference maybe with this is that they're looking for people rather than what radiotopia were looking for which was actual content they they, they wanted people to pitch actual shows um but you know that there, there is precedent for that so are they so uh, presumably then this is going to be a podcast in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Casting calls a podcast in itself and their search is going to be documented. Interesting. Yeah. I find, I find the choice of Jonathan Goldstein to be interesting. Um, he's got such <laughs> a, a unique voice that plays really well with, with a, a, a show like uh, heavyweight um, because it's so very much him and he has a very specific um, style uh, and 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 kind of sardonic and and sometimes self-referential and uh, it would be interesting to see how that actually works in in this kind of more what could potentially be a slightly more glossy format. Um, uh, that that seems yeah that seems an interesting one. So Kevin. You write for discoverpods.com. You created that awesome uh, blog for people to discover more podcasts. So, so obviously sitting down with a, um, a podcaster and interviewing them, that, I mean, that's a certain narrative and it has a certain drive and you have material to work on. When you are, conversely, when you are just like reviewing a podcast that you're listening to, like how much of the podcast do you listen to? How much do you have to have it get into your head? What's What's the process like? for that yeah that's a good question um uh, again i I guess uh the easy answer is it depends it depends how many episodes you need to listen Mm -hmm. to to fully grasp it um at the end of the day though it's what i like and what i don't like for any podcast is kind of what comes out in my writing yeah um if people 
I'm just kind of assuming people have similar gripes or interests. Um, <laughs> and so when they read what my reviews or my recommendations, um, they're either, you know, nodding along or, or kind of questioning my taste, which is, which is perfectly fine. Everybody's, everybody has their own interests. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just being genuine. It's like, here's what I really like about this podcast. Here's what I really don't like. Um, and just being honest with, with my thoughts about any specific podcast, I think that that honesty and that genuineness uh, hopefully comes across and uh, makes for a good review. Well, I think it does. And dear listener, if you want to go check out uh, Kevin's reviews of different podcasts and interviews with podcasters, you can go to discoverpods.com and check it out. We'll have links in the show notes. Bitrate is produced and presented by Brandon Hutchins and Mark Stedman. Find Kevin at discoverpods.com and get links to everything they discussed at bitrate.protein.co. Until next time, may the fourth be with you. Sorry. <laughs>